good morning, church. Again, it's such a pleasure to be with you, and it's been a privilege to get to know the pastors on the team working in uni- unity together. And I just thought I'd start with this question. I wonder if we have any uh, fans out there of the, the music, the musical, The Sound of Music. Is there any fans of The Sound of Music out there? Oh my goodness, so it's going to be a busy morning here then. A few years ago, my wife and I, we were traveling around Europe and we made this agreement that we, we would each pick something that the other would have to happily participate in. So uh, I, I picked something very much like, oh yeah, I'm, I want the Band of Brothers tour in Normandy. Yeah, let's do that. And then uh, we got to Austria in Salzburg and uh, my wife decided that she had finally made her decision. She saw that there was this amazing looking, um, so-called classic Sound of Music tour in Salzburg. This is where it's all filmed, right? And so she assured me that this is gonna be a great time. They put me on a mountain bike, it would be great. We just go around the city. and, And so we arrived, 20 happy ladies and me. And I didn't get a mountain bike. I'm pretty sure I got the original Maria bike. <laughs> and I looked like a gorilla at the circus at the sing. And I would just, I was, the whole thing was bending under my weight. It had a basket at the front for my purse <laughs> and a bell. And the bell was like a warning for me. And along this three hour singing circus tour, this is what I learned. I learned a lot about women who like the sound of music. And this is what I learned. Firstly this, act like you're having a great time or they will try to help you have a great time with further participation. (laughs) Secondly, women must train for this tour because they know every line of every song. Thirdly, if you whisper even a few lines of any parts of a song, no matter how many times there's already been sung on that tour, it's like throwing petrol on a fire. It, they just spontaneously burst into song. And just as a little experiment, I just wonder, because I'm a guest speaker, I can do this, and if it fails, I can just go home and, and wave goodbye. But, uh, but let's see what happens. If I said doe, you would say? Okay. Yeah, Ray? Me, so, oh, so, hey, see, I'm already messing it up. La, that's it, T, and that will bring us back to, oh, fantastic. You guys, you passed the test. There's a great tour waiting for you in Salzburg. Today, I want to talk about the power of an invitation. And if someone were to ask you why Jesus is good news, why does he matter in this day and age, how would you respond? Because I was recently asked this question of somebody who has no connection to faith, no upbringing, never grew up in the church, but they are a great musician. And so I told them, let me tell tell you a short version of what the gospel is about. You're a musician. So let me tell you, it's like a love song that started a long time ago. The song is good, it's changing the world. And we could join along, everyone's invited. At any time, Jesus is leading the way. Some know the words, some are just learning the words. 
but all are invited to come, to join in what God is doing, because it's more than just a song. It's an historic event that is transforming history and making a way for our destiny. We're each invited to come, play a part, to come and see. In Matthew 28, 18, Jesus says, go make disciples of the nations. And surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. This make disciples, it's written in this imperative mood in which has this sense in which it's as you go about your daily living. Make disciples. As you go into the classrooms, as you're having a coffee, be aware that you are in the process of making disciples. You are a part of God's mission in that place. And surely he is with us as we go. His presence abiding within us. This is the good news we share. And yet it's so easy for some of us, I think, just to let it become like background noise. To be unaware that we are actually invited to be a part of this. And it might be that we're nervous. I, don't, I get nervous sometimes about sharing my faith. Or sometimes we think, let's just leave it to the extroverts out there, the people that are super caffeinated. You know, let them go. Let, let them release those people. They'll do it. But the good news is that we all have a part to play. We all have a voice in this song. Even if we don't have the right words at times, or we're worried we don't have the right voice, it's not a singing one, Jesus invites us to play our part. What if it was more about an invitation? An invitation to encounter Jesus as we share our faith. To tell someone, come and see. Come and see. Like a beggar telling another beggar where bread can be found. Come and see. Come and find life. Do you know the power of an invitation? I can tell you story after story of people that have said those three simple words and seen a life transformed forever. One of the privileges of being a part on the Alpha team is I get to hear those stories all the time. I met a lady named Cherie. Uh, she's uh, in Logan. And uh, Cherie, many years ago, was doing time in prison. And uh, someone invited her to come to Alpha, come explore faith. And she's like, that's not my thing. But for whatever reason, she shows up. She gives her life to Christ in that process. And she was leading gangs in like organized crime in that space. But now, 20 years on, she's actually a leader in the church. She's running Alpha and she's taking it into the prisons here. That's Cherie. I know another guy. His name is Phil. Phil and Rod are good friends of mine. Rod is asked by Phil one day at a coffee shop. He goes, you know, We've been hanging out together for years, says Phil to Rod. And Phil says, doesn't your faith matter to you? Like, you never talk about it. You never raise it with me. And Rod is really embarrassed. And Rod says, well, why don't you come to Alpha with me? I, I suppose I should tell you something about it. If it feels like, if it really matters to you, why don't you talk about the things that matter to you? And if, if your faith matters, why don't you tell me about it? 
So Phil does, he comes to Alpha with Rod, they sit around the table, they share a meal, they watch the videos, Phil comes to faith, and right now, Phil King is one of the best leaders at River Life Baptist, running Alpha all the time, and uh, life transformed forever. You're, you're actually, I think you're gonna watch a video about that later on in a few weeks, just that, part of that story. But this is just one story after one story after one story, but I can tell you them all day, but the point is this, it all is about a simple invitation, come and see. Come and see. There are so many people in our lives that are eager to hear about hope beyond what they see. As I mentioned, it truly is amazing to me that McCrindle Research has said that one in four will come to faith if someone would invite them. One in two if they're below the age of 25. But here's what's also quite amazing. The research has shown that two-thirds of people in Australian culture don't know somebody who regularly goes to church. So who's going to tell them? Who's going to invite them to come and see? Romans 10:14 says, how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? How can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? How is anyone going to tell them unless someone is sent to do it? Isn't this amazing, church, that he has sent someone? It's us, the body of Christ, in community together for the sake of the world. His presence makes us aware of these opportunities to make that invitation each day. In fact, most of us are here because of a relationship, of an invitation. We're sitting here today. It might be that you've grown up in church, but somebody invited you into that process. And maybe you gave your, your life to Christ at a very young age. Somebody invited you into that, where, that kid's space where the many kids are right now coming to know the Lord, even in this building. Somebody... Uh, some other people have come here because they've been invited by a friend. You know, somebody said, come, why don't you come to church with me? Would you like to come along? And maybe we came to a faith as an adult. Or there might be others that are sitting here where like, oh, somebody invited me to come today. I don't know why I'm here, but I'm just checking things out. But we all come to faith through a relationship. Someone that we trust, someone that has loved us and cares for us. William Temple once said that the act of bringing someone to Jesus is the greatest service that one person can render another. And so it's in this making of disciples, in the everyday places of life, that we say, come and see. Come explore Jesus. So what's our role in this? I think there are three encouraging things to remember. The first is this. God is already on the go. God is already working in the lives of those people around us. The second is this. The Spirit is a lead evangelist. It's not us. It's not a pastor. It's not a book or a program. Only the Spirit can tug at someone's heart to reveal the truth of who Jesus is. Our confidence in the commission is the last bit that says, surely I am with you. He's with us as we go. And thirdly, we each have a role to play, a part in that song. We each have a part to play in that. I love how the theologian Daryl Johnson defines evangelism. He says this, we are entering a conversation the Spirit is already having with someone. We are entering a conversation the Spirit is already having with someone. We are simply inviting them to come further, to come and see, to listen in deeper into the good plans of God in their life. All throughout scriptures you see the sense of invitation. Jesus invites his disciples, come and follow me. 
The disciples often then invite others to come and see, come and meet this man. And this invitation is truly like a proposal that has the potential to transform destiny. Now, some of you married couples right now, like the first time they looked at, at you, that's the, they saw you, you think, wow, I see an invitation coming. I need to make an invitation. They just said, this person's so beautiful, I need to make an invitation, the coffee or whatever it might be. And all these great adventures start with invitation. And the good news is this. Not all of us are, are gifted speakers or teachers or evangelists, but we all have a part to play. And throughout the Bible, we see three things always happening. God sends everyday people who have encountered Jesus with courage to share. I mean, just think about what's happening in this space. Jesus comes into this world announcing the good news of God's reign. People's lives are being restored. Miracles are happening. Blind are seen. The deaf are hearing. Food is in abundance. And Jesus is saying, this is only a foretaste of the good things yet ahead. This is only the beginning. This isn't an end to itself. And we all are invited to be a part of this. This is the announcement of God's kingdom. All these miracles are foretaste of what's yet ahead. It's so exciting. You know, the, the word spreading throughout the, the whole of, of, of culture in the Roman Empire at that time. And if you were thinking, wow, this is such important news. Everyone's got to hear this. You would think, oh, we got to pick the dream team. We need the best and the brightest. We got to put together a team that's going to go out and tell everybody this good news. But listen in how, how Jesus picks his first disciples. It says this in Matthew 4.18. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus says, and I will send you out to fish for people. Jesus goes into the backwaters of a bygone town called Galilee, and he makes his first round draft picks. It's an area so poor and so messed up that people in that time literally would make fun of that place and say, can anything good come from there? And yet, this is God's choice. And right away, we see something really important coming out. This is not about what we can do for God, but sharing what God has done for us. Peter and Andrew were simple fishermen. They weren't the bright students. If you were a bright student in that day, you would go off to Bible school. They would study the Torah. And then they would go and ask a rabbi, can I follow you? And here's this reversal. Jesus enters into the poor area and says, come and follow me. Everyday people, chosen. Jesus says, I'm picking you. You didn't have to pick me. I'm starting with you. I love you. I want you to be on my team. Follow me. And I'm going to teach you how to catch more than fish. Catch people with the wonderful news of God's kingdom. And how amazing that after the resurrection of Jesus, 
It's these very same people that would go on to spread the good news of the gospel and it was transforming the world. And when Peter is hauled into the courts, when the spotlight is on him and everybody's watching to see what Peter's gonna say about this transforming message, it says this in Acts 4.13. When the authorities saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. How good is it that what qualifies us to be messengers of this good news is a simple following of Jesus. These men had been with Jesus, say the authorities. And because of God's powering presence with them, just as it's with us today, we too are invited into this message, into this mission, into this calling. God sends everyday people who have encountered Jesus with the courage to share the invitation. You know, you can't really encounter Jesus for who he is until we recognize our own need of a savior. The gospel sounds like good news when you realize that we've got problems that are beyond our own strength, that are beyond us, that we need help, Do you know who the greatest messenger of the gospel is recorded in the gospels? The greatest messenger of the gospel is that woman at the well. Who is this woman? Jesus didn't choose someone who had their life neatly put together, you know, dressed up, things shining. Firstly, it's a woman. And women at this time were not treated well. Women's testimony in the court of law weren't even admitted. They were treated terribly, but God chose this woman. She's a Samaritan. Samaritans at this time were considered like half-breeds, totally disrespected in the community, not cared for, were called dogs at times. It's the sixth hour when Jesus meets her. The sixth hour in that time is the middle of the day, and she's alone at this well. What is she doing here in the middle of the day at this well? That's not how culture worked at that time. People would go to that space together in the mornings. All the women would go together, get the water, go back, have the water for the day. What is she doing here in the heat of the day? It tells me she's lonely. She's probably an outcast. Five broken marriages when you read the story. Five broken relationships. Can you imagine the feelings of rejection? of worthlessness that she might be felt. She would have felt like, you know, all these plans I had in my, as a child growing up. I had all these dreams. I've had five broken relationships. They never came true. How is God gonna use me? A lonely Samaritan woman. But God did. She encounters Jesus for who he really is. And Jesus says, I want to offer you more than just water. Living water is what I'm offering. I'm going to offer you a promise that is going to satisfy the thirst you have in life. Follow me. Come. And when she hears this, she's so excited that she races back to town. And she says to the whole town, Come and see a man 
who told me everything I ever did. He knows everything about me. He knows about my past. He knows about my brokenness. And she says, could this be the Messiah? Isn't it wonderful that she still doesn't know? But she's hopeful that we as Christians may not have it all figured out. And yet we can still make that invitation to come and see. And so the town comes out, they make their way toward him. And they say to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. We now have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. The greatest messenger of the gospel recorded is this woman at the well who brings her whole town to Jesus with three words, come and see. God chooses everyday people who have encountered Jesus with courage to share. Courage that isn't an absence of fear, but a willingness to keep going beside it. Courage because there's something greater yet ahead, something more important than our fears. At the crucifixion, the disciples hidden fear behind locked doors. They're terrified, but something greater than any of their fears appeared to them in the flesh. And despite persecution and death threats, they boldly stepped out to proclaim a resurrected Lord. How is our faith connected to the courage to share our faith? How are we living our lives? Do we have the courage to share that invitation to come and see? I'll finish with this story about Albert McMakin. Albert was 24 years old. He was a farmer who had recently come to faith in Christ. He was so full of enthusiasm that he filled a truck with people and took them to a meeting to hear about Jesus. There was a good-looking farmer's son whom he was especially keen to get to this meeting, but this young man was hard to persuade he was busy, falling in and out of love with different girls, and did not seem to be attracted to Christianity at all. But eventually, Albert managed to persuade this young man by asking him to drive the truck to the event. And when they arrived, Albert's guest decided to go in to hear the message and was spellbound and began having thoughts that he had never had before. He went back again night after night until one night he came forward and gave his life to Jesus Christ. That man, the driver of the truck who was invited by Albert was Billy Graham. And the year was 1934. And since that time, of course, we know that Billy led hundreds of thousands of people to faith. Maybe you even have a connection to some of that ministry when he came down and spoke here, I know many Australians came to faith. And we can't all be Billy Grahams, but we can all be like his friend Albert. We can all say to a friend, come and see.
Billy Graham said, I don't need a successor. I only need willing hands to accept the torch for the new generation. Let me pray for us. Father, we truly are living in the greatest season of evangelism in our generation. God, you've given us all that we need and more because of your presence with us. You are already at work in the lives of those around us. Father, may we join into your song, into your message, into what you want to do in Sunnybank because you desire that all will come to know your love. We pray for this city, God, that you would send us to those who do not yet know you, but soon will. And we weep that the majority of Australians don't know somebody that regularly goes to church. And yet, we are so full of hope because we see the harvest is plentiful. And so now I pray for the harvesters, for those that have been sent into these places, the front lines of everyday life. Lord, I pray that you would prompt us, move in our hearts to love those near to us, those five friends that we're each praying for as we move into an alpha season. God, that you would lay it on our hearts, that we would say, come and see, come and explore this one who can give you a living hope, a hope for today and one that will be forever enjoyed in eternity yet ahead. Father, be with this church. I just sense um, that in this, uh, in this community, Lord, that there are, there are people here today that long to be a witness to your love. Lord, I pray that you would encourage them. Lord, that we would see this place filled with new people coming to faith each week. Lord, we, Alpha's great, but what we care about truly most of all is people knowing your love and being transformed by the power of your presence. So God, I pray you would blow on the embers of faith for those who have lost touch with the song, with lost uh, 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 the eagerness to share that great love. Lord, we just sit in your presence in the season ahead, preparing our hearts for what you have in mind. Lord, blow on the embers. I pray that you would just breathe new, fresh life into these spaces, that we'd just be filled with such joy that people would be contagiously attracted to it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.